are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Win Win podcast and actually our season four finale. I apologize in advance for my voice. I'm actually in the middle of recovery from COVID, which honestly has been a rough time. I'm not going to lie. So unfortunately, I was not able to release this episode last week, but I promise it was worth the wait. You've probably heard me grapple with the notion of entrepreneurship on this podcast with our different speakers, as well as in my own trajectory. Personally, I've built and created different campaigns and products, this podcast and a nonprofit, but I work at a large corporation, and so I guess by definition, I am not an entrepreneur. But I do believe that the landscape of entrepreneurship is actually blending and expanding with the notion of being what is called a creator. We've seen people start up their own YouTube channels and TikTok accounts turn into multi-million dollar businesses, but I also think about a creator as someone who takes a concept and is actually able to bring it to life, monetize it, or commercialize it in some way. And so a big part of that conversation has been driven by the ever-evolving e-commerce space and especially the pioneers around it, companies such as Shopify, which is why I am thrilled for today's guest, Tui Allen, who is a product director at Shopify and a real fintech expert. Most recently, Tui and her team created a product called Shopify Balance, which is an all-in-one money management account to enable merchants to easily manage their money in the same place where they grow their businesses, which is a really fascinating concept. You all know my excitement about the fintech space and world, but our conversation today is really about that end-to-end creator, entrepreneur, small business owner experience that Shopify and Tui's team is creating. This was honestly one of my favorite conversations. Tui is a brilliant and authentic and honest leader, and I know you will learn from her as much as I did. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review, subscribe, share with your friends or on LinkedIn. And with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Tui. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi, Zoya. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to talk to you. I'm sure you know this, but on this podcast, we talk about diversity and all of its forms, but something that really stands out about your background to me is the diversity of the professional experiences that have led you to your current role. About 16 years into a career that was really focused on business, strategy, managing a P&L at companies such as EY, Capgemini, Disney, you move into a product management capacity during your time at Blackbaud. So how did you approach that pivot? And if there were challenges, how did you navigate them? Yeah. uh, So I think it all comes back to having a growth mindset and being very adaptable. And, you know, stepping back a little bit, I feel very fortunate in that, you know, I had the opportunity, speaking of diversity, to grow up a bit in Montreal, which has a very international background and just very diverse environment. Actually grew up English, but was thrown into school in French because my Mm. mom Oh, you'll you'll learn you'll learn English at home. We'll figure that out later. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, my mom is actually an entrepreneur and business owner, and she works out of Ecuador, so mostly out of South America. And so I spent quite a lot of time when I was um, young in South America. And that ability to adapt uh, and to look at things through uh, a lens of growth mindset, being challenged, always wanting to be curious, wanting to learn about new areas and new domains really positions you well for changes in your career trajectory. And so the situation for myself, having kind of, you know, the opportunity to work in more of a like strategy consulting, technology consulting space where you're solving problems on a customer by customer basis was a fantastic foundation for what you do in product management which uh, in a product management capacity, instead of solving problems for one specific customer, you're solving problems on a macro commercial scale. Uh, and, and having worked for some pretty large Fortune 100 companies like Disney and doing some pretty innovative, creative work there, that also sort of opened up my sort of um, perspective to the power of scale and solving problems on a macro level. Even though Disney, of course, is one customer, they're such a large global customer that you have the opportunity to see the impact technology can bring on mass scale, which really sort of piqued my interest and curiosity into this concept of product management. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a really interesting, you know, set of circumstances, I would say. I, I actually really relate to that. I grew up going to an American international school and mm-hmm. I had spoken Russian at home, but I immigrated to Israel. And at, at age eight, I just went to an international school with speaking no English and having to figure out both Hebrew and then Russian at home. And yeah, it's so easy to be like, oh, that's a childhood experience. But when you think about moving around and having to integrate and also having to see so many diverse perspectives, what it really gives you is the ability to walk in a room and not assume that your point of view is the right point of view, that there's more than right. one point of view here. <laughs> 100% Zoya. And I think that that's so true as you navigate your career and especially in more senior levels. And there is always discussions about like how hard it is to break into product and mm-hmm. product management. Um, but I think having that adaptability and that curiosity and that sort of desire to learn at its core can open up so many doors. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had um, a mentor who, you know, gave me some really good career advice about, you know, and it was actually around this transition stage of like, do I stay in the sort of business growing services groups? And to your point, I had been at quite senior levels at a team of, you know, like 100 folks working for me. Or do I take this opportunity? I work for a software company, Blackbaud, that works in the social good space. Do I take this opportunity to like kind of pivot my career, but learn about a whole new space at a much mm-hmm. deeper level and get into like how we build software? And that curiosity and that adaptability sort of really lent itself to being able to do that. And his advice was, you sort of need to look at your career like a set of initiatives or projects or assignments And you need to have an awareness to when those opportunities present themselves, which requires a ton of self-awareness. And I think especially as you get more senior in your career, you have to constantly be focused on self-awareness because it's easy Mm -hmm. to kind of maybe not see all those doors that are in front of you. And then you have to have the courage to walk through the door. And I think that becomes 
incredibly challenging the more senior you get in your career to actually say, I'm going to go out on a limb, take this risk and walk through that door and do something totally different. But again, going back, I think that foundation of curiosity, growth mindset and adaptability really does um, position you well for these pivots. And I think this world we live in today where most of us will have multiple career shifts it's important for us to be open to that and be excited about that. Thinking about this idea of being risk averse or not being risk averse, I do think the notion of gender kind of does come up because we see women say, well, I could never do that or I'm not sure that's going to set me back. When you think about your career today, is there an angle that you consider, oh, I have this end point or as a professional in the innovation space, you're, you look at it like there's a set of opportunities where you could go or a set of directions where you could go? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, being a woman in technology is not easy. <laughs> I'll just say that, like right. that out there, say the thing. But I also think what it does is it really helps you develop this sort of ability to push through and to never give up and to, like we were mentioning earlier, be open to other ideas, to recognize there's not just one way to do things. And really that grit that's so important in career development and in more senior levels. And I think women have had to fight hard to get to senior levels. I think at the end of the day, it makes us stronger and it makes us better positioned to be able to sort of really lead complex problem space areas and complex challenges because we have sort of always been in an environment that's challenging for us as an individual, whether mm -hmm. that's something as simple as like finding an opportunity to like in the boardroom be heard or restate your point three times because you can you can tell the audience isn't hearing you even though right. they're looking at you. That ability to really push through and that grit and determination to be able to grow as a woman in tech is ultimately a great asset that that women have because it's kind of been there the entire time they've been growing in their careers. And so with that mindset, as you do look forward, do you have a clear destination or do you feel like the world is your oyster? I feel like it's a little bit of both. I love what I'm doing at Shopify right now. And I love the innovation and the space that we're in and helping entrepreneurs, creators, and small businesses. There is so much to do there. You know, I'm really excited about what's happening in climate tech. And there's mm -hmm. some real big problems that need to be solved there. Obviously, the reason I spent as much time as I did at Blackbaud was because I just love the social good space and I love technology. And so the opportunity to blend technology and social good to actually make an impact on the world is pretty um, special. So I feel that there's so many great problems to be solved still in the world. And I think I can bring so much to helping solve those problems. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both, you know, um, I'm also, like we were saying earlier, adaptable enough and aware enough that I'm not going to try to pigeonhole myself into one thing, you know, right. I, I want to maintain an open mind to what opportunities may come my way and evaluate each of those as they come and make those decisions at that point. 
And that's what I think is so unique about leadership and innovation. It's it's that whether it's in the scope of your current role or a next role at the same company, a role at a different company, starting your own thing outside. I mean, I could keep going on and on. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways and spaces to innovate. And that's really different from taking like a more straight shooter traditional path of even something like management consult or banking in a traditional sense, right? And I think within your industry too, the world of e-commerce and payments to me feels like it used to be such a place that focuses on like commodities or at least it was perceived that way. And more and more recently, you know, the world of e-commerce, payments, small businesses and growth, that's really, really been heating up. And I think it's because consumers are even seeing that emotional element of that experience. And so when you came across into this space, especially coming from a company like Disney, what were you excited most about in this industry? It sounds sort of cliche, but helping the little guys, right? I think there's this, you know, if you think about the foundation of commerce and trade and the world, and just we'll talk about the United States, because that's where I'm currently based. Although I Mm -hmm. think a lot of this applies to the world of commerce and markets um, in many geographies. But over time, it has industry and as corporations have matured, we've created these environments where you have large, very complex entities, financial institutions, banking institutions, large uh, multinational global companies, and what we've lost sight of is the fact that, if speaking for the U.S., and this holds true for many countries, the foundation of sort of this, the world that we live in, was built by small business owners and by small entrepreneurs who were doing trade. And so I think being able to like help bring back that balance to the economy and help the smaller businesses and entrepreneurs and creators, this is this cool space that we're in right now that I'm really excited about, actually have these powerful platforms and powerful tools that give them a chance to kind of actually have the opportunity to play ball with the really big corporations is a pretty exciting place that we're in right now. And Mm -hmm. uh, Shopify is like right in the middle and right in the center of all of that. Um, And, you know, we get to hear so many amazing stories, whether it's like Allbirds who started building really amazing shoes, using recycled products, et cetera. And then all of a sudden now they're a public company, but they started just with a cool idea and to watch and see them grow. Or we recently have been during the pandemic, obviously there's so many stories of, you know, small businesses that kind of had to like completely turn their operations upside down and go online and figure out this whole concept of selling in a digital environment, but then to see how they were able to adapt and do that and then become ultimately hugely successful by using these tools, you see that impact. And these are these are folks you can relate to. These This is like the, the local coffee shop that you go to that also sells their coffee beans online as a subscription. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, somebody that you used to buy in the farmer's market from that now instead of buying from the farmer's market, you're able to like order their products, their soap and their lotions through their platform. You can see the connection, you can see the um, impact, and you also see the good that it does in terms of bringing some balance to the economy. 
Mm-hmm. Super, super interesting way to think about it. And as we break that down further, and, and you mentioned some use cases, but I know that Shopify really powers that end-to-end e-commerce and commerce experience, which is why I think it's such an innovative product. But thinking about your specific background in the fintech mm-hmm. space and taking apart something like the range of problems that a small business is solving for in the payment space. Mm-hmm. What are the pain points that you're looking to solve for them and how are you thinking those through? Yeah. So at Shopify, we think there's so many great opportunities across commerce and in fintech especially because your average small business or entrepreneur or creator doesn't wake up every day thinking like, yay, I'm going to go and like balance the books and like figure out mm-hmm. if I've got enough cash flow to like, you know, buy some supplies or pay my employees. So Shopify really views that we can take some of that burden and that feeling of being overwhelmed and underserved and actually almost make it invisible to to our merchants and to small businesses. So we can kind of drive that for them by reinventing the way business is done. And so a few things like if you, from a payment perspective, it's all about reducing friction, right? So That starts by making it incredibly easy to transact. So both for the end consumer and the buyer, and also for the merchant to be able to actually quickly stand up a payment processing solution that they don't really even need to think about. It just works. Mm -hmm. It just works. It just, it helps drive more traffic. It helps drive more conversion. You know, the fact that we were able to work with one of our key strategic partners, Stripe, that is very API led gave Shopify the opportunity to kind of reinvent how many of these traditional financial services and traditional payment rails worked because we now, we'd leverage the APIs behind the scenes, but we could actually manage that experience for the merchant Mm. and completely change that experience because we weren't bound to using an off-the-shelf solution offered by a bank or by a big financial institution, Shopify, who knows customers, knows businesses, and knows merchants, and truly understands, is able to embed the right experience and offer these services at the right point in context and at the right time to make that experience seamless for the end consumer or buyer, as well as incredibly easy for the merchant. And we, we have a super high quality bar at Shopify and we, we value a lot, tr- almost like bringing this magical feeling of like, it just works, right? A good feeling that we bring to both the end consumer and to the actual merchant who's using the platform. And Tui, just by talking to you for the last 20 minutes or so, I can say that you really seem like a person who does it all and balances <laughs> multiple considerations. But when you think about this, I mean, there's so many matrices that I'm envisioning in my head. And I'm sure so many things that the small businesses and the merchants are asking for and, and ways that you could really help them. But you're also considering, like you said, that end consumer. How can that end consumer feel like they're interacting with a Walmart or a Target when really it could be a mom and pop shop or, you know, a college student? that's selling whatever online. So when you think about managing those stakeholders, how do you really prioritize or go about figuring out launching things that are really going to bring the most value? Depends, right? It's a balancing act. I think this, you, you know, in the world of product, right? There are many sources of data that you have to collect in order to make the right decision and many stakeholders and many input points. But being customer 
customer-led, customer-focused, and really prioritizing sort of that customer product discovery as like a key input and understanding who like your true target market is, is super important. For the products that are part of our platform, we really want to work incredibly closely with merchants, but we also want to bring a level of innovation that is connecting them to understanding what their buyers and the end consumer want, and also learning from what's happening around the world because, you know, Shopify is global. And so we're learning how commerce and fintech and payments are different in India and different in you know, South America? And what are the leapfrog things that are happening there that we can bring to our customer base in North America that actually helps sort of them have actually the small mom and pop or entrepreneur or creator now has a leg up on potentially a large big box store because- right we're pushing that level of innovation. So it's really truly being merchant obsessed, which we talk a lot about at Shopify, making sure that that's part of how we do and build product, but at the same time, driving that ultimate like innovation from other industries, from other parts of the world. And then of course, trying to push our customers and merchants to really showcase their brand and build that loyalty that they need to have with their end customer and buyer base too. And so we kind of play a bit of a behind the scenes role. Most people like don't realize they're actually using the Shopify platform, but we take pride in that because we really want to showcase the value and the brand of each of these small entrepreneurs or creators or small businesses, not our brand. You've already gone into it a little bit, but I think it sounds like there's this huge ecosystem that's going on that really creates these advantages and benefits across all the different stakeholders. There's so many new companies on the commerce management side, as well as on the fintech side. Mm -hmm. Something that I've noticed is that the front end facing of the Shopify brand is ShopPay, and it's so noticeable and it's purple, Mm -hmm. but definitely Mm -hmm. as, as both consumers and merchants, I'm sure looking at that checkout moment specifically, the space quite literally is getting more and more crowded. So thinking about how you're looking to stand out or create that Mm -hmm. magic, both on the consumer side and on the merchant side, what is that line of thinking for you? Yeah. So uh, you're right. There are, are a lot of new entrants and it is on the surface quite crowded. Uh, I think what you know, Shopify is committed to building for the long term and we're committed to approaching some of these problems in a different way than some of the competition. And so we value merchant trust and buyer trust incredibly highly. And that trust and that loyalty that our merchants have in us, and then that then propagates to the end consumer and the buyer through things like ShopPay, you start to create a connection where there's a value and a trust attached to, oh, I remember that purple pay button. And wow, it was, it knew who I was. It was so fast. It was, I was able to track my goods. It was incredibly transparent. You build this like loyalty and this trust kind of uh, score, which in the world of commerce is super important because I mean, let's be real. There's a, there's, there's a lot of bad actors. I think we've all had bad experiences on some large platforms. Totally. Where unfortunately you may, you know, get bad quality product and 
Shopify works really hard to make sure that we work with merchants and that we drive not only trust with our merchant base, but also building that buyer trust as well through things like shop pay. Again, that that ecosystem thinking, and even though it does to the naked eye look like a button, there's so much going on there. And as you look forward and as you think ahead, when you think about innovation that's taking space, not just at Shopify, but also at Shopify, Mm -hmm. what are some trends or technologies or innovations that you're really excited to see in this space? Yeah, there there are so many. Um, uh, You know, we're really excited to build out capabilities for not only merchants, but creators. So this whole creator economy that's that's really starting to grow is a space that's super exciting for Shopify and it's super exciting for us to innovate in. So we're doing quite a bit of work with blockchain and NFTs, sort of this Mm. like next generation of like how you how commerce will happen and how commerce will happen for entrepreneurs and creators who want to be able to showcase their work and showcase their work in a way that they can monetize through NFTs. I think there's a ton of really cool opportunity happening in that area. I think our team is actually going to be at South by Southwest and we're going to be doing some pretty cool kind of showcasing some of the early work that we're doing in that space. Another area, and maybe on the surface it isn't as sexy, but I think there's a huge opportunity for us to make the burden of running a business invisible. Mm. So you as an entrepreneur and you as a creator who is passionate about your product, passionate about your craft, can focus on that and doesn't have to worry about the overhead that goes with running a business. And Shopify can make that invisible. And we can make that invisible through the entire sort of operational stack, the shipping components, the accounting components, the filing of your taxes, the reconciliation, the ability to get funding when you need funding. That is a huge opportunity to really kind of innovate and make a real impact on these amazing creators and entrepreneurs who have great product, but struggle with the reality of like running a business where there's just a lot of friction and unnecessary traditional steps that Shopify can just remove. When Shopify first came on the market, the perception was, wow, it's an enabler into becoming an Mm e-commerce store. And based on what you're saying, it sounds like today you all are looking to be a partner and a a true Mm -hmm. partner, Mm in-house member of the team, end-to-end service, which I think is going to lower that threshold even more and and really enable innovation and diversity for people who previously thought they weren't able to be an entrepreneur or they were not able to be in this space, which I find incredibly exciting. And just going back to diversity to kind of add a comment there, like we're incredibly committed. We have so many great opportunities to kind of, to your point about it being a platform that can kind of help elevate and can actually provide these tools to help, you know, merchants of all different types and sizes have this platform to, to showcase their great work and stand up against these really big entities. Absolutely. And it's just even you sharing your story on this podcast may hopefully inspire somebody else to, to take the, the plunge and start their own business. I have several people on my team that have sided, started side hustles that are so successful now that I'm like, don't leave my team. I know your side hustle is really, really good. <laughs> Please. But I know, no, all joking aside, I'm so proud of them. But it really, the platform is an amazing platform for people to be able to kind of take their passion um, and see it come to life. 
And that's one of the silver linings of, I think, flexible working and, and you know, the modern day working model where you really can do it all. I mean, I've started this podcast in the midst of the pandemic, and it's just been the most amazing way to connect with people and also share their stories. So definitely plus one to that. So before I do let you go, I'd love to ask you one last innovation question. And that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Uh, So I'd say, you know, one month from now, I'd love to see us do more from a global perspective and how we can break down barriers across the globe. I think the pandemic and really the whole world we live in is very connected. Uh, And so I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity there. And that's active work that we're all doing. Me personally, it's also something that I'd love to see more of based on my upbringing and my background. And I think we can learn so much from each other and continue from an innovation perspective diversity of mindset and diversity of solving problems in different ways is ultimately how we innovate. So I think there's so much we can do from like a global perspective now and in the future for myself and for what Shopify is doing. Uh, from in a year from now, you know, I think Shopify is going to continue to sort of take away sort of and strip away the weight, the burden, get really do some really innovative things in terms of the partnerships we have with like uh, companies like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, where the whole world of commerce is kind of like very much changing from the way it used to be. And so there's this concept of like channels and marketplaces and how we help our merchants show up in those environments, I think is really exciting. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, innovation and opportunity there. And then if we talk about 10 years from now, you know, I think at the end of the day, like we will still, there's some things that are going to hold true, right? We're going to need to continue to remove friction. We want to be flexible. I think we want to always put the end user and customers and the end consumer front and center, front and mind. I think there will be sort of continued decentralization, And whether that's, you know, DeFi and the things that we're doing in the NFT and crypto space, whether that is decentralization of an open app ecosystem where you have different creators and innovators and developers who are all contributing together, whether in fintech, we're talking about how we bring together the best and the brightest across different technology stacks and different players and embed them into a solution at the point of time when you need it. Um, super apps, you know, I think there's so much opportunity for us to kind of keep pushing in that space. Um, and, and for myself in 10 years, uh, we were talking about it earlier, I think sort of the world is sort of very open and, and the world is your oyster. And I very much so, you know, want to continue to make a positive impact on the world. That's ultimately what's important to me. How I make that positive impact, I think, can change. I will always try to affiliate myself with companies that that are doing good. Um, I love technology, so um, total tech geek at heart. I will probably always play in the tech space, um, but um, we'll see where 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 that takes me over the next ten years. Well, I'm so excited to follow along, and I know our listeners will be too. So, thank you so much for joining us on the Win Win Podcast today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, Zoya. This was really fun, and I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. 
If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womeninnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.